So we've been uh, reading through the whole Bible this year. Um, if you're new here or uh, you've been here first few times, that's, uh, that's what we're doing. And we, we have these phrases we say every Sunday about reading through the whole Bible. And we're going to try to condense a lot of that this morning because we've we got some ground to cover. Uh, Jesus has a lot of things to say and, and there's a lot of things to, to wrestle with here. In general, the Bible is one unified story that points to King Jesus. Amen. Amen. The whole thing's about King Jesus. And so when we gather here as a church, whether this is your first time, whether this is your hundredth time, you were born and bred here, whatever your story is and however much, you know, roots you have in the church and in this Christian stuff, in general, we come here every week to say Jesus is Lord. We look to King Jesus. He has all authority and he says he's with us always. So we're going to be his disciples. We're going to follow him so closely that we're covered with the dust of his sandals. So much so that his intuitions become our intuitions. His words become our words. His ways become our ways and impacts every single part of our lives, not just the itty bitty parts we choose to feel comfortable with, right? So that's why we gather, to worship King Jesus so that we would know his words and follow him. And so as we've read through the whole Bible, we started the New Testament at the beginning of October and we're reading through the gospel. And if you've been following along with the reading plan, it's kind of a blitz because Jesus is just, he's just hammering it. You're hitting it. You're just like, man, this is like so much stuff. Hitting it back to back to back. In general, what we want to say is when uh, we did this and we did the Sermon on the Mount series, when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about kingdom. Say kingdom. 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 Say, say it like you're awake. Fantastic, yeah. So we're talking about the kingdom, right? And we've got to wrestle with the, the first thing Jesus taught. He come on the scene and he said, the time is fulfilled. All the stuff that you think time's about, all the things that you're waiting on, all the things you think are important, it's fulfilled. Why? Because he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's Mark 1.15. I would encourage you to memorize that. Write it on your heart. Write it on your forehead. Write it on your mind. Whatever you need to do. Because in general, that's your posture in life. It is fulfilled. Whatever you think is not fulfilled, that's not Jesus' fault. It's your fault for missing out. Because Jesus is everything. And so whatever's missing out in your life, it must be an issue of, uh, it must be a God problem. It must be a problem of how we look to Jesus. Because Jesus says, it's fulfilled. It is finished, he later says, as he's dying. Which is an interesting understanding of how power comes, right? No one dies and says, oh, it's all accomplished now, Mm, except for the king of the world, except for the one who controls all things. And so Jesus says, it's finished. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the the gospel. This is our posture. We're constantly repenting. We're rethinking about how we think about things. That's what repentance is. We're turning. We've got to see the world differently. Our God loves us enough to say, your mind is wrong. You might think about things differently. Right? And in case uh, you miss this when we loop around at the end, listen, it's possible that the ways you approach your life were wrong. That's over and over in the scriptures, in Proverbs. I've been wrestling and meditating on Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 the last couple weeks. And it's just this constant posture of like, man, don't lean on my own understandings. Is it possible that the ways you think you're approaching the world, oh, 67-year-old wise person in the room, could you be wrong? Because... I thank God that I wasn't given a mic and asked to be your pastor when I was 18 because when I was 18, I knew everything and I was an idiot. And when I was 25, I knew everything and I was an idiot. And and I started preaching here when I was around young 30s, mid 30s. And nowadays, I'm still like, gosh, there are things I said even a few years ago that I wish I could like kind of subtly shift, right? And refocus. We're constantly growing and we're repenting. Because if we're looking to Jesus, things are changing. And so Jesus comes and he says, hey, it's all here. Change how you look. Repent. Your mind is wrong. Dad, could you be parenting wrong? 
Are you, are you humble enough to repent and say, man, maybe even after 16, 17, 18 years of parenting, maybe, maybe I still have some things I don't know. Maybe after uh, 5, 10, 20 years of marriage or 3 weeks of dating, maybe I do things that are still wrong. Maybe I need some repentance. How would you know? Welcome to the parable of the sower. Here we are. How would you know what's going on? Repent and believe in the gospel. Uh, when Jesus says the kingdom is fulfilled, here's a quick definition of the kingdom. We're not going to unpack it. You can take a screenshot if you want, but we used this several years ago, and I think it's helpful. The kingdom of God is where the Father's rule is exercised through the Son by the power of the Spirit, and where the reign and rule of that God is willingly obeyed, gloriously displayed, and happily enjoyed among His people. Amen? Yeah, that's a meaty definition. Uh, it's communal. The kingdom of God is us. It's not just for you. It's for us. And if you think this is just about your personal salvation, your personal satisfaction, pay attention to thorns. Pay attention to rocks. Pay attention to birds. Because you're missing it. It's not just for you. It's us. You're brought here for a reason because you need each other. Look at someone across the room and say, you need me and I need you in Christ. All right, now all you introverts who catch what I said, I'll say it again. Look across the room and make eye contest with them and say, you need me and I need you in Christ. <laughs> Praise God. That's why he's brought you here today. <laughs> Repent and believe. Listen, there's some words that we're going to look at today. Um, they, uh, we're going to talk about looking, hearing, listening, believing, and obeying. Uh, those aren't like the five points of the sermon, because if you know me, well, I don't preach that way, man. We're just kind of like, we're going to talk through stuff, and you can grab whatever points you want, because I'm not that organized. But uh, it's important to think through these things, because the heart of what Jesus is constantly saying, well, we say, we say this all the time in shepherding circles, and we say it here, we say, look to Jesus. But I don't literally mean just look, because I could, I could get your guys' attention right now. I could start doing something weird. This is weird. This is really weird, right? And you're looking. You're looking at me now. Some of you aren't looking. Look at me. Okay, so, <laughs> thank you. It's not hard to get someone to look, right? I used to tour and do magic professionally. Like, I know, I know how to make people look, right? And it's, it's not even hard to get people to hear. Ready? Did you hear it? Yeah. See, I can make you look, and I can make you hear, but these words in the Bible, when we're talking about listening, repenting, it's so much more than just what you're seeing, right? It's so much more than just what you're hearing. There's more implication there. And so we'd also say the word, listen, right? You can hear music in the background of the elevator, or you can be hearing a beautiful symphony. You can be hearing a well-structured song where the beautiful music is piercing into the very fibers of your being. There's a difference there. And those things should lead to some sort of belief, some sort of obedience. When, when I was a kid, my dad would ask me to sweep the garage. You guys know where this is going, if you're fathers. And I'd be like, I'd go, and I would just, man, I wouldn't even grab the, uh, the shop broom, you know, the long one. Uh, I'd get the little broom, and I'd, you know, just, just terrible job. Just terrible. Like, get it done. Boom, done. Done sweeping the floor. And then uh, my dad would come out, and he would sweep his pile. You, uh, fathers, have you ever done this? You make your own pile to kind of compare and be like, look at what you've missed, my son. You big idiot. That's the implication, right? And so, like, my dad would make his pile, and I would have this, like, like, son, I told you to sweep the garage. See, Dad, I did. No, 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 you're not listening to me. Not, Dad, Dad, I'm looking at you. I listen, I heard you. I swept the floor. 
no, 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 you didn't listen to me. If you would have listened, right, you would have believed my words. You would have believed me as an authority. You would have obeyed me, right? Now we're walking into parable language of Jesus. Lee just read it. I'm going to read it again. Matthew 13, 1 through 11. That same day, Jesus went out of his house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Hear this parable. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell along rocks where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, but since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell along thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil, and they produced grain. Some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. We have a whole section to talk about parables. We're going to skip a lot of it, but we want to understand uh, one concept about parables in general. When we talk about parables, we could say, oh yeah, these are just like uh, cute analogies, relevant stuff. This is Jesus speak. Jesus uses parables, so get it, right? In general, the word parable, parabales in Greek, it means to cast alongside, right? So you're casting alongside a truth along some sort of analogy to help make sense of that truth, right? You're casting along. In fact, my favorite analogy of parables uh, is a guy who compares it to a house. He says that these parables are not just intense mental ascension thoughts, but they're a house to dwell in. And so you imagine uh, you dwell in a house. I treat the home I live in right now very different than an Airbnb. And and in fact, if you don't know what an air fryer is and you start living in a house that has an air fryer, you don't ever use the air fryer because you don't know what it means. You're still living in the house, you're just not using the air fryer. Now you're starting to kind of understand parables, right? It doesn't have a different meaning to each person. That's relativism, that's not the point. Jesus has a point for his parables, but the more you lean in, the more you draw in, the more your eyes are opened. You have ears to hear. What types of soils are there? Let's unpack this in our mind. Give me a type of soil that's mentioned. Yeah, there's good soil, right? There's rocky that's also shallow. Shallow soil. What's the problem with rocky, shallow soil? No, no depth, no roots. The sun scorches it. Toast, right? What's another soil? Thorny. What's the problem with thorns? Choke. Hey, who's a, farmers in here? Do you want thorns in your garden? Probably not. I don't know. Be, please don't shake your head. Yes, I don't know. But it sounds terrible, right? Right? And they, they choke things out. That's bad. I, know, I don't want thorns around my deer stand. That'll get you fired up real quick. Cly- oh, man. Uh, whew, don't want to talk about that. Right? And then there's the birdie path, as I called it. But, but the path where the birds come, the billions, and they, God, they pluck it up. Right? What does all this mean? We'll get to that in here in a sec. I want to I wanna hone in on uh, verse 9. Jesus says, He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. It's funny, you craft, you craft all these things, and we spend all these time studying it, and we talk about it in Shepherding Council, and you just really say these things, and there's so many things to say. I think it's interesting that, that in this moment, before I even get to, to one of these points, it's just interesting to consider that You already heard the explanation of this. Jesus explained this before I even have to tell you. You guys know where this is going. You know that there's something that's preventing you from hearing the gospel of the kingdom. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have ears to hear. You're like, "Ah, I don't want to hear that. 
There's a reason why your cell phone is so sexy and alluring when God's trying to speak to you. There's a reason why all of a sudden you, you have to get up and fidget or there's every distraction in the world when we, become, when we have times to worship and sing and proclaim the gospel. Like there's a reason why you're so busy all the time. There's a reason why you're so unsatisfied. There are things pulling you away. And Jesus is saying, if you have ears, do you have ears? It's a silly thought. No one's seeing this like, oh, I don't have ears. Pfft. Sorry, I just heard what you said, but I didn't know you were talking about people with ears. <laughs> I don't know, that's not me. No, no, no. Jesus say, hey, you got ears? The word he uses here for hear is akua in Greek. It's fun to say. Akuo, say it. Akuo. It's fun to say. It kind of sounds like a, like a, akuo, uh, right? It's, it's fun. I like it. So, uh, akuo. It's the same word that the Septuagint translates Deuteronomy 6. Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So when they were translating it, they were trying to find Greek words to capture the Hebrew ideas in the Old Testament. So do you remember Deuteronomy 6? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. We did a whole sermon on it. Twice, actually. It's a big deal. It's the Shema. Say Shema. Shema is the Hebrew word for hear. But you know, because we've talked about it, you guys are smart, we've talked about this a lot. It's not just hear, it's listen and obey. Shema means that you hear to sweep the garage floor and you do it to the best of your ability because you're obedient to the one who's called you to sweep the garage floor. You listen, you hear, you obey, you believe. There's a, there's a transition. Akua carries the same thoughts here. Jesus says, hey, if you have ears to hear, Listen up. He who has ears to hear, listen. Can you hear, listen, believe, obey? Keep reading. Verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to Jesus, Why are you speaking in parables? Why why are you doing this, Jesus? Why are you speaking in parables? And he answered them, To you, catch this, to who? Jesus talking to? Who just asked him a question? To the disciples, to y'all, This has been given the secrets of the kingdom. Catch it again. To you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. So Jesus says, you get it. To you it's been given. But to them it's not been given. Right? The disciples, if you read this, this account occurs in Matthew. It's also in Mark. Uh, it's also in Luke 8, right? They all have this story of Jesus talking about the parable of the sower. And in one of them, Jesus even says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? You have this tension where the disciples are coming. See, the disciples were just with Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain, where Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I say, the law says, and I say. He's very direct. We talked about the Sermon on the Mount last year. And Jesus goes, boom, 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 boom. This is my point. You do this. You do this. You Don't fast this way. Fast this way. Don't pray this way. Pray this way. Don't give this way. Give this way. It's very direct. And now he says, so a farmer goes out. He's throwing his seed. And the disciples are like, ay, 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 ay. What? What are you saying? And so they're confused. I don't think I've ever used that voice before. I don't like that one. I don't like that. Don't, let me do that again. That hurt. It's like, what is you saying, Jesus? Why don't you speak like you were on the Sermon Mount? Do you feel the tension? Like, why are you speaking in parables? Why don't you be direct, Jesus? You just sent us out to preach. And now you're speaking in code? And Jesus says, no, you get it. And I just see the disciples' face and like, oh, do we get it? I don't know. You say we get it. It's been revealed to us. Jesus says, no. To you it has been given to know the secret of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And then what? Then Jesus explains the parable. 
They know it. He just said, to you it's been given. So why does he explain it? But it's been given to them. Because the disciples asked. Because the disciples leaned into Jesus. They took their doubts, their questions, their struggles. They followed Jesus. See, the implication of this story is huge. There are those who heard. There were crowds. He was in a boat. People were gathered all along the beach. But the disciples, they followed up with him. They came to Jesus. Why are you speaking in parent? What's going on? And then he explains it to them. Because to them has been given the secret of the kingdom. What's the secret of the kingdom then? Follow the story. Or who's the secret of the kingdom? Jesus. They leaned into Jesus and then he explains it to them. They're not taking the teaching for themselves and walking away for their own health, wealth, and prosperity and happiness. They're not just finding some little nugget life lesson so they can go and build their own kingdom. They're leaning in saying, we don't get it. We're trying to follow you. We are following you. We are catching the dust off your sandals. What are you talking about? And he says, it's been revealed to you. And then he reveals it to them because Jesus is the secret of the kingdom. Jesus explains it to them. They look, they hear, they listen, they believe, they obey. How does this work? See, later on, Jesus starts unpacking these things. You read Jesus as an aggregate, you start understanding as he unpacks. John six sixty three. I quote this verse a lot here. Uh, it's probably close to a life verse. It was a big deal for me in addiction. Uh, I, can't, I, uh, ooh, ooh. I can't say enough about this verse. John six sixty three. Jesus says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. What you bring to the table, your flesh, your desires, your willpower, everything, oh, you got my stick to itness, no help. It is the spirit that brings life. The flesh is of no help. The words I have spoken are spirit and life. The spirit gives life. Jesus' words are spirit and life. Do you want to know what it means to live? We're always talking about the good life. How do you enjoy life? How do you know what it is? All of you, you have different desires. Maybe you want a different job and you're trying to climb the corporate ladder. Maybe you've got things in your marriage you're better. Maybe you're about to graduate and you're trying to figure out what I'm doing with school. Maybe you just started a different life after graduating high school. You're trying to figure out what does it mean to live? And I pray that God puts a healthy insecurity in all of you to be asking, what, Why? Why am I living? Not a midlife crisis, but a daily crisis to ask, what is going on? What does it mean to live? And Jesus says, my words are to live. And that has some intimate, personal connection with the Spirit. It is the Spirit who gives life. You don't know how to live, you got to look to Spirit. And my words are Spirit and life. Later on, Jesus unpacks this more in John 14, 26. He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, Jesus' words are spirit and life. Now the Holy Spirit, when the Father will send him in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your memory all that I've said to you. He's going to teach us and remind us of what Jesus said. His words, follow me here, lean in. Jesus' words are life. That's what it means to live. What it means to truly live, Jesus' words. His words are spirit and life. And the spirit that he will give us will teach us and remind us of what it means to live. We need the spirit. I wrote this in bold, so maybe I should have screamed it. We need the spirit. That's the problem. The fundamental issue that you're missing in life, whatever you're unhappy about, the aggregate of the junk of your thing, the reason that everything is so alluring and, and all your social media accounts are drawing you and saying, you need to buy this, you need to buy this, you gotta do this. The reason everything's so unfulfilling is because you need the Spirit. 
You're trying to interpret things yourself. You think your understanding and your life and the way you approach things, the way I approach things, I'm David Newton. I can figure it out, right? I got a degree and a master's. I got 4.5 kids. I'm awesome. And you stack all these things up. Say, no, no, The words of Jesus are spirit and life. The words of Jesus are spirit and life. We need the spirit to remind us and teach us about Jesus' words so that we can truly live. Do you want to live? You can't without the spirit of God. You can't without Jesus Christ. I love you. Without Jesus Christ, you're not living. You're quickly pursuing death and eternal separation in hell apart from him. If you want to live, it only comes through Jesus Christ. The disciples understand we've got nothing. We're poor in spirit. All of us are poor in spirit. You, those of you who are like, oh, I got this. I figured, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm saved already. You, you think that's on you? Do you? I mean, you think you drew yourself to Jesus? You think you brought yourself to church? Ah, forget Calvinism. Don't bring that on me right now. Stop. We're not talking about sovereignty and Calvinism. Stop. You think you're in charge though? Just stop. Where in the Bible do you see that your agency is so big that you get to control it? Who drew you to the Father? You or him? He did. Who interpret? What did Jesus just say? Did you interpret Jesus or did he? He did. His spirit. And so why do we get this lie from the devil that we've got to do it? I've got to go to church. I've got to remember. Like I said, I've got to figure this out. i got to figure I, I, I. The devil is snatching away so many of us by the distraction of looking to ourselves for our faith. Jesus is the author and perfecter of your faith. Right. Hebrews 12. Jesus is everything. Say, Jesus is everything. We look to Jesus, we hear from Jesus, we listen to Jesus, we believe, we obey King Jesus. We need the Spirit. So how do we get the Spirit? That's a valid question. There are whole denominations on this, huge arguments all through Christian history. How do we get the Spirit? Do I need, what, do, is dance, do I baptize, what's, how, how do I, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. I'm glad you asked, here you go. How do we get the Spirit? In Him you also, when you heard, akua. When you shema, when you, when you heard, you listened and obeyed, you took it in, you took it seriously. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you heard the word and you believed, you took it in. You didn't just look passively. You didn't just kind of hear it. No, you listened. You obeyed. When you took it in, when you said, this is life. I've heard this. I've taken it in. I've shema. I've akuit. I've taken this in. And you believed. You were sealed with the Spirit. Some of us just need to be reminded. The enemy can't take what you have. If you believe in Jesus, you are sealed in Jesus. Quit believing the lies of the devil. If you're not producing fruit, the answer isn't for you to go produce fruit. The answer is to look to Jesus. If you think you're not saved, the answer isn't for you to do some special trick or service. The answer is for you to look to Jesus. If you're afraid that you're too far gone or you've lost, you see where I'm going. The answer is to look to Jesus. This is why we say every week in shorthand, look to Jesus. And we say look to Jesus. We mean look, hear, listen, obey, believe. It's all together. We need his spirit to remind us and teach us about his words so that we can truly live. How do we receive that spirit from Jesus? We look, we hear, we listen, we believe, we obey King Jesus. So why don't we? This parable is about why we don't. This parable is, is answering all these questions of these distractions. Why we see our kids grow up and leave the faith. Why you've left the faith and come back. Why you're struggling right now. Why you're distracted right now. Why you're so distracted by my untucked shirt or whatever it is that you're not hearing the gospel. This parable will tell you why. 
Let's talk about it. Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Jesus explains. Hear the parable of the sower. Hear the parable of the sower. You see that? In other places he says, see the parable of the sower. Jesus is appealing to faculties. You've got eyes to see. You've got ears to hear. Pay attention. Listen. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. What has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. They have a hard heart. They snatches away. The devil lies and pulls. We've said before in John uh, 8, Jesus says, what, the devil's the father of what? Lies. Isn't it interesting? Parents, just lean in. Or anyone who's ever had authority. If you're a boss, if you've done any sort of uh, addiction counseling, if you come from addiction, the crux problem you have is that you believe a lie. The crux problem our kids have is they're believing a lie. They act out. And as adults, we're no different. Even the best one of us in here. Evil's trying to sow these lies in your head. How would you know they're lies and you believe them? The evil one's snatching it up because you're not understanding. You might be looking passively. You might be kind of hearing. You might even be a little bit listening. You're here, right? You do all these Bible studies. You do all that. But no, man. He says, the devil comes and snatches up. There's so many distractions. There's things that evil, the lies, pulls away. Distraction is sending more people to hell than doubt. There's so many things distracting us, pulling us away. In fact, 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 4, 3 and 4, Paul writes, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, right? The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The Spirit reveals. Please, church, hear me. All of us are not above this. Sin is crouching at your door. It's ready for you. No one in here is above this. We're all easily distracted. We're all easily wooed. We all have that thing that's a good financial investment for my family to make me happy. We need a boat, my dear. Whatever it is, we're all sucked into something, pulling in, being deceived by some lie. You need to be better. You need porn. You need your wife to do this. You need to do this for your husband. You need your kids to act this way. You've got to have this haircut. You've got to tuck in your shirt. You've got to work out five times this week instead of two, you big slob. Whatever it is, it's some lie that seeps in and it snatches away the truth of the gospel because all those lies, spin back to you it's all on you and that's what evil wants evil wants you to believe that you could be God you could decide good from evil may God reveal to us the hardness of our hearts and the ways that things are veiled Jesus goes on to explain it's not just the devil that's snatching it away as for what was sown on rocky ground these are the ones who hear the word and immediately receive it with joy yet they have no root in themselves, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Immediately they have shallow hearts. Someone said over there, shallow. When things are hard, then it all falls apart. They want Jesus as a service provider for their goals. Maybe this is you. When Jesus makes me happy, I'm happy. I go to church. When things are good in my life, I go to church. I read the Bible. I'm gathered. But otherwise, it gets kind of distant. Hear this. The things they truly worship are burned up in the heat. The things that are truly worshipped by the shallow get burned up in the heat of what's true, what's revealed. Interestingly enough, the sun in this situation. The light. 
the light, the heat of the world, it burns up what doesn't matter, the shallow things that, that are actually cling to. They want a blesser over a savior, a sugar daddy over a king. They're looking and hearing, but they're not fully listening. Next, uh, we have what's called the divided heart. It says, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, catch this, the cares of the world, or worries, as some translations say, the things, the worries, the distractions of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and proves it unfruitful. They hear the word, they try to grow in it, but they're choked out because the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches. What pulls you away? What distracts you? I mean, think of, in general, I think about it this way. Maybe you don't think negatively because maybe we're too prideful and arrogant for that sometimes. I don't want to think about what I'm bad at. In general, just think broadly. Where does your time go? Where does your money go? What do you spend your energy on? What is the, the thing in your mind's eye that is so important? What's, dry, what's Monday look like? What are you really worried about for Monday? What are you not looking forward to this next week? What are you really hoping happens by the end of the year? What are you really hoping would make things all better for you? Maybe those are things that are choking us out. What a frustrating tool of evil to distract us. So we never really con- we're not consciously rejecting Jesus. We just let all these other things choke our lives and therefore we never truly live and we spend eternity separated from him because we're not looking to him we're looking to ourselves we're fooling ourselves the last one jesus talks about is the good soil he says as for what was sown in good soil this is the one who hears the word and understands it he indeed bears fruit and it yields in one case hundredfold sixtyfold thirtyfold is good soil. They understand and they produce fruit. What is producing fruit? Living like Jesus. Jesus says, if you want to produce fruit, you abide in me. And to produce fruit of the one you're following, the teacher, the, the one you're the disciple of, you would be living like them, acting like them. The way Jesus walks and talks becomes the way you walk and talk. All of this reminds me of the words in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. What do you love? What do I love? Man. Wouldn't it be interesting if evil takes the things I love and I'm so passionate about and turns them into things that choke me because I don't want to look to Jesus. I don't want to hear from Jesus. I don't want to listen to Jesus. And maybe it's not even a conscious choice. It's just a posture, a pattern of life drawing me away. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride of life, as other translations say. As we wrestle with this heaviness, it'd be really cute for me to give you some four-point analogy of here's, a, here's four M's for the soils or four S's or D's or whatever it is. I say, oh, here, do this and do this and do this. And I could have some really cutesy pastory thing. I want you to lean into the words of Jesus because your life is no different than mine. You have struggles. You have distractions. You have things right now. Maybe the service is going too long. Maybe uh, you're sick of me yelling. Maybe whatever. There's things that just constantly distract us. And what are we doing here? We're reading the words of Jesus and talking about them. Yet there's so many distractions. 
And we forget what was preached last week. And we forget what we read in the Bible yesterday morning. Why? Because the world, the flesh, and the devil is constantly pulling us away from these things. And Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you come to me. You look to me and say, why, why are you saying this? What do you mean? What's going on, Jesus? How would you know which seed you are? Has the kingdom, the gospel, rooted itself in your heart? Does it produce fruit? Interestingly enough, it's not taking fruit. This is mine. I'm in control. Sound like Genesis 3 to anyone? My fruit. I am God. I'm going to decide good from evil. No, no, no. It's producing fruit. Later on, he has parables of a tree, greater than all the trees, a garden growing, overflowing, so birds can come and nest. Everything Adam and Eve were supposed to be doing. Is it producing fruit like Jesus? What in your life makes you think you're a Christian? We need to look to Jesus in all moments of our life. We need to hear the truth of the gospel. We need the Holy Spirit's revelation so that we can humbly listen and believe and understand. And we have to look to Jesus to guide our lives by his Holy Spirit so that we can obey and truly live. This is the kingdom, church. This, this is what we're doing this together. Lest you walk out of it thinking, oh man, I got a lot of rocks in my soil. I got a lot of, dang it, he's right. All these birds are pecking at me and I'm just, it's a mess. The devil's a demon under every rock. And I, oh, it's not just on you, it's us. We're doing this together. This is why we preach the gospel every week. Because our forgetter works really good. Because the Spirit is to remind us and the enemy's tactic is to lie to us and to twist things. The world's tactic is to twist things, to confuse us. We need each other, church. Everything we do has a plurality in our church. If you're not familiar with our church structure, all the people who lead would roll their eyes and say, yes, David just has us do everything so many different times because we all have to go through each other. I'm just kidding, they wouldn't do that. We all do it lovingly and welcomingly. Why? Because we need a plurality. No one in here is the hero. It's not Keith's church, David's church, Carrie's church, Adam's church. It's King Jesus' church. And we are his sheep. We're his children. We look to him. So we need each other. This is why I have a shepherding council. In case I haven't reminded you this week, you need to hear. Some of the things I'm saying this morning, they're not my awesome ideas. And I'm like, ooh, David's really great at crafting sermons. He's so great. I'm the most flamboyant of us for sure. But... The big difference is that every Friday morning I sit with Adam Moss and Jimmy Lane and Ethan Backers and Nathan Basinger and we wrestle with this and they tell me why I might be wrong. They tell me what I'm too excited about and maybe I don't need to go this far. They might say, hey, don't explain parables that way because it's distracting. And I might push back and say, actually, Adam, I think you're wrong. And we wrestle through it because we want to preach the gospel because Jesus is Lord, not me. This is why we have a plurality because we look to Jesus. As we close, oops, as we close, it's, <laughs> I can do a lot of things to make you look. I can do a lot of things to make you hear. I can't make you listen. In war times, they have all these ways to torture and all these propagandas to force people to listen, but you still have rebels and people who rebel because you can't force someone to listen to you. You can't. You can't own someone's heart. Only the Spirit of Jesus has the power to do that. Only Jesus Christ. And so we plead up here, and we pray, and we wrestle, and we know that you guys have these struggles, and we know you guys have this junk going on, and I can't force you, no matter how many analogies I do, no matter how many times I speak specifically to dads, and specifically to, to families, and specifically to addicts, and specifically to anger, I can't make you listen. But Jesus Christ can. 
And so we read his word and we plead with you, please look to Jesus. And when we say look to Jesus, we don't just mean passively come to church and look around. We're saying, listen, believe, obey. Whatever's going on in your life this morning, families, I'm talking to you, parents, single people, everyone with burdens, everyone who thinks they got everything going on, listen, Shimba, for a minute. The soil doesn't pull the rocks out. The soil itself doesn't pull the thorns out. The soil doesn't make itself good soil. Do you know how gardening and farming works? Have you ever picked weeds? You're not the sower. You're not the gardener. Jesus is. He's sowing the word in your life. And Jesus is bidding us to look to him. Whatever worry you have right now, you think, man, oh, the devil's pulling these things. I'm I got all these rocks and I could be so shallow and I could be missing something. My family's missing something. The answer isn't for you to write down your list of all the things you need to walk out here and do. If you walk out of here and you don't get on your knees before King Jesus first, you've missed it. You've allowed the enemy to snatch it up. You've allowed more thorns of looking to yourself to choke you out. May this be the Sunday that you obey Jesus, that you listen that you look to him. I, it might not be your posture to come up here and pray. It might not be your posture to grab your wife's hand and sit down here and pray. It might be so against your, in, your personality to come up here and pray and talk with people. But I challenge you, if you're sitting at your seat, whatever you need to do to move, may this be the Sunday that you say, I'm going to look to Jesus. I'm going to hear to Jesus. I'm going to listen to Jesus. I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to obey him. And I'm going to be the one to take my family to do it. My wife and I, or, or I'm going to be the one to take my buddy, my brother, whoever it is. Because we're doing this together. How would you know if the devil's snatching it out? How would you know if there's thorns in your life? We don't got a shot if we're not looking to Jesus. And I beg you this morning, no matter how distracted you are, take a minute to open your hands and say, Jesus, what am I missing? How do I need to repent? What could I be wrong about? Because you say you have all authority, and I I don't have all authority. You say you're with me always, and I I can't be everywhere always. What am I missing? If Jesus is telling you to give your life to him this morning, move on that. We'll be up here. There's people that will pray with you. Grab someone next to you and say, "I, I need to trust Jesus with my life. And we'll pray with you. God's sovereign. He'll work that out. Give your life to Jesus this morning. Look to him and believe him. If you need to be baptized and there are things choking or plucking that out, if you need to join the church and you're so guarded and you've got all these questions and every Sunday you're like, man, I need to, and he says join the church, but I don't want to. And I, May this be the Sunday that you say, I'm, I'm done. I'm done letting all these other things from me. I'm going to look to Jesus because he's the one that pulls the weeds. He's the one that pulls the thorns. He's the one. In fact, Jesus took the thorns of your life and he put them on his head. Jesus took the rocks of your life and he was buried underneath them so that he could rise again and defeat all this junk in your life. Don't let this be the Sunday that you you passively just move on again. This isn't just another Sunday. Jesus is speaking to you now. I'm through trying to convince you. It's time for the Spirit to move. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. Give me an undivided heart to fear your name. Matthew 13, 9. He who has ears, let him hear. Mark 1.15. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Look to Jesus. Hear from Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Obey Jesus. God, I pray that your spirit would move as we submit to you, as we open up. Beyond all the words that are, are said here, I pray that your word 
would be true, that we remember your words, that we would have ears to hear, that your spirit would reveal the truth of your parables, of your words to us, and that we would believe that you are spirit and life, that you, your words are spirit and life. Our flesh is of no help. God, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would pull away the distractions of evil, the distractions that are choking us out, the, the things that, that come up and, and bring fear, the, the trials and the persecutions that, that have made us shallow and scorched up. God, I pray that you would remove all those in the name of Jesus and the power of your spirit and that we would look to you. I pray for the one who doesn't know you. All the decisions you're laying on our heart to make, may this be the Sunday that we look to you. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for your love for us. We worship you now. And we, we take action now in your name, in the power of Jesus. Amen. If you need to move, we'll be down here.